A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter 24 and the epilogue of New Moon, Vote and Treaty. Now, I don't know why she's got an epilogue. It sort of seems like that could have been a chapter, but she wanted to be fancy. But you know what, Steph? If you want to be fancy, you do you, boo. But it's the end of New Moon. We made it. I think it's the weakest of the Twilight Saga. Oh, look at me saying saga. It's not a saga. It's, it's barely an event, but yet we'll call it the Twilight Saga, even though barely anything happens. Um, but yeah, I think it's the weakest one. I mean, it was so boring. So boring. Edward dumps a Jacob's a werewolf and she goes to Italy and that's it. Finn, where'd we leave off? Okay, so she had that whole annoying sequence where Bella thought she was asleep. And then she thought she was dead and she was in hell. Uh, Oh no, she's in heaven because Edward's there. Oh God, this fucking book. Anyway, so I guess at some point she realizes that she's awake and she says, you know what, Ed? If you're not going to turn me into a vampire to stop the Volturi from coming down on our ass, I'm going to go talk to the other Cullens and get them to vote on whether I should be a vampire because I'll be joining your family, which is a bit presumptuous. She's so wildly inconsistent in what she she thinks and feels and believes. Like she thinks vampires are just so scary, except for the Cullens. <laughs> They're not scary at all. They're actually super fragile. And she's worried that Victoria, this super, super strength vampire is going to kill all of them, even though that's not the case. And she thinks the Volturi drinking human blood is just repulsive. And yet she wants to become a newborn vampire, even though there's no guarantee that she won't have this bloodlust as soon as she's turned. And will become a monster. Oh my God. Anyway. Although that's probably not a deal breaker because remember she thought Jacob was killing all those hikers in the woods and she was like, you know what? He's my friend. (laughs) So she's wildly inconsistent. We start this chapter. It's called Vote because they're voting. Again, just the inspired titles of this book. The only one that really shocked me was Paris because I thought, oh, she's going to Paris. But no, I was talking about that character from Romeo and Juliet that no one remembers. Oh, and remember she was going to jump out the window. She thought that would be her great plan to get around Edward blocking the doorway, even though he's super fast and he can race around and block the window as well, but just as quickly as she turns a shoulder. Oh, but now she's threatening to jump out the window and he's like, "Ugh, fine. And so he scoops her up and jumps out the window with her in his arms. And she says, oh, it was a little bit farther down than I'd imagined. Uh, uh, wow. How about that? What a shocker. 
that her window to her bedroom, which is on like the second floor, is is up a height, a considerable height. What a shock. And then he's like, all right, we'll hop onto my back. So she hops onto his back and he runs off to go to his house. And she says, even after all this time, it felt routine, easy. Evidently, this was something you never forgot, like riding a bicycle. What do you mean you you never forgot? You're not doing anything. You're just holding on, spider monkey. And every other time that she's been running in his arms, she's been like dizzy and vomiting. But no, she's, oh, it's easy. It feels routine. I don't think it would. She even says, oh, I remembered that running through the forest like this used to frighten me. She says, I used to have to close my eyes. It seemed a silly reaction to me now. Oh my goodness. So she says, this instance feels completely different to every other past instance, but also know it's completely routine. How does that match up? And so she kisses Edward on the neck while he's running, which, I mean, I wouldn't want to distract the guy, but she is all for it. And he says, oh, thanks. Does that mean you've decided you're awake? And she laughed. She said, the sound was easy, natural, and effortless. And she says, not really. (laughs) Does that mean you've decided you're awake? (laughs) Not really. She says, more that either way, I'm not trying to wake up. So she still, she's, She still doesn't know if she's asleep or awake. And Edward says, I'll earn your trust back somehow if it's my final act. What is this dialogue? How does he, how do they jump from, oh, I'm awake, ha ha ha, to I'll earn your trust back one day. Like that's not a natural flow of conversation. And she says, oh, I trust you. It's me I don't trust. And he said, can you explain that? And by this time he'd slowed to a walk and she could only tell because the wind had seized. She could only tell that he'd stopped running at super speed because it, it wasn't windy. Even though she's got her eyes open, the most observant, unobservant person. And then she says, oh, I think we're close to the house because I can make out the sound of the river rushing somewhere close by. She's got spidey senses when it comes to the sound of the river, but she can't tell that he's walking with her own eyes or just the feeling of not being propelled at a lightning speed. And oh, whatever. And we're just retreading last chapter because she's like, I don't trust that I'll ever be enough for you. (sighs) And he says, your hold is permanent and unbreakable. Never doubt that. (sighs) And then he's like, oh, you never told me what your biggest problem was. Because remember, she said, Victoria is not my biggest problem. And she says, I'll give you one guess. And then she reaches up to touch the tip of his nose with her index finger. So she boops him. (laughs) She says, I'll give you one guess. Boop. This is not a normal teenager relationship. Like, I'm sorry, what teenage girl boops her boyfriend on the nose? (laughs) Boop. (laughs) And he's like, ah, it's me. I'm worse than the Volturi. And she rolls her eyes and she says, the worst the Volturi can do is kill me. Oh my God. If you hear my dog in the background, I'm sorry, but (laughs) he's really going ham on one of his toys. He is really attacking it and growling. So, I mean, you're going to have to put up with it. My audio editing skills aren't that great, as you could probably tell. So I'm not, uh, you know, we're going to have to live with it. Anyway, she explains that the worst the Volturi can do is kill her, whereas he can leave her. And she says, the Volturi, Victoria, they're nothing compared to that. Even, even though she's already lived through it once and she survived. I mean, she was doing quite well. She was riding a motorbike with Jacob. Yeah, she jumped off a cliff and she was having visions and her mental health wasn't great. But, you know, she was getting there. She was getting there. But no, it's the worst thing in the world that could ever happen is him leaving her. To be quite frank, I think Victoria tearing her to shreds would be a bit worse, but that's just me. But her words make him feel sad. 
and she can see the anguish on his face and that makes her feel bad because he's always emotionally manipulating her. She says, don't, don't be sad. (laughs) God, this book. And he says, if there was only some way to make you see that I can't leave you, (sighs) even though you did leave her for the majority of this book, you had left. So I don't blame her for being able to envision it happening again. And he says, uh, time, I guess. With time, I'll convince you. And she's like, I like the sound of time. Ugh. But his face was still tormented. So she tries to cheer him up. And she's like, can I have my stuff back? You know, talking about all the shit that he stole from her. I'd be still annoyed at that. Like, yeah, you guys are together again. But I'd be like, oh, you know what? That wasn't cool. Those are my belongings. You had no right to steal them. And then he laughs. Because yeah, when, when confronted with, with the theft, he's like, ha 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 ha. And he says, your things were never gone. I knew it was wrong since I promised you peace without reminders. It was stupid and childish, but I wanted to leave something of myself with you. The CD, the pictures, the tickets, they're all under your floorboards. And she's like, really? She's super happy. And he's pleased with how happy she is. Um, okay, Edward. First of all, what's the point of of stealing and hiding all the reminders if you're just gonna hide them in her house for her to stumble upon. But also no one's checking their floorboards. He's acting like, I didn't steal them. They were with you all along under your floorboards where you'd never check. How's that helpful? How does that benefit anybody? What a dumb plan, Ed. But Belle is so dumb, she eats it up and she says, you know what? I think I maybe knew that the whole time. What? No, you didn't. How would you know? She says, some part of me, my subconscious maybe, never stopped believing that you still cared whether I lived or died. That's probably why I was hearing the voices. Not only does she think it's a Wizard of Oz type situation where she had the power to go home all along, like, oh, they were with me all along. She's now thinking deep down, her belief that he loved her is the reason why she was hearing voices. I don't think so, babe. I think you were suffering a mental breakdown and you developed some sort of split personality as a coping mechanism for your trauma of getting dumped in a forest. And she's not pissed off at all. She's not pissed off. Oh, all, all my treasured possessions were in the floorboards. She's not pissed off at all. What? Ugh. They're both as dumb as each other. And he's like, wait a minute, did you say voices? And she's like, well, just one voice, yours. It's a long story. And she says, uh-oh, should I not have mentioned it? Would he think I was crazy like everyone else? Was everyone else right about that? What do you mean was everyone else? You haven't told anyone else. No one else knows that you're hearing voices. And she's like, oh, everyone thinks I'm crazy. Well, no, you haven't shared anything with anyone. You barely say two words to Mike Newton at the canoe store. Poor Lauren's been iced out. Ugh, everyone thinks she's crazy. Well, I think she's crazy. So she explains that the cliff diving and the motorcycle was because she found that when doing something dangerous or stupid, she could remember him more clearly. She says, I could remember how your voice sounded when you were angry. I could hear it. Like you were standing there next to me. Doesn't even make any more sense now that she's trying to explain it. It just, and she says, I wonder if the reason I could hear you so clearly was because underneath it all, I always knew that you hadn't stopped loving me. And and the way that he showed that was by berating her through her mental image of him. I, I, I can't even explain it. But she says, as she spoke the words, the words brought with them a sense of conviction of rightness. Some deep place inside me recognized truth. Nope. Uh, no, I, I, I reject that. I reject that. This is the stupidest explanation of any plot hole I've ever heard. And he's starting to, <laughs> of course, he's starting to berate her. He's like, you are risking your life to hear. And she says, shush, 
Hold on a second. I think I'm having an epiphany here. No, you're not. She says, when that first happened in Port Angeles, I thought there were two options, insanity or wish fulfillment. I'd seen no third option, but what if? What if you sincerely believed something was true, but you were dead wrong? What if you were so stubbornly sure that you were right that you wouldn't even consider the truth? Would the truth be silenced or would it try to break through? (gasps) Option three, Edward loved me. (laughs) The bond forged between us was not one that could be broken by absence, distance or time. As I would always belong to him, he would always be mine. So what had I been trying to tell myself? And she goes, oh, and he says, what? And she says, oh my God, I see it now. And he's like, what? And she says, you love me. Oh, that's, that's the epiphany. That's the revelation that he loves her. Has he not been saying that? He's, he said it like 10 times last chapter. He said the whole thing about you and my meteor in my sky and the lights went out and I couldn't see the stars. Oh, I love you, Bella. Oh, oh no, epiphany, epiphany. You love me. She says, you love me, I marveled. The sense of conviction and rightness washed through me. And he's like, yeah, that, yes, I do. And she says her heart inflated like it was going to crack right through her ribs. It filled her chest and blocked her throat so that she could not speak. Bitch, we all been knew this. The epiphany is that you're a dumb idiot. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Deep breaths. <sighs> At least my dog stopped freaking out. So that's good. Deep breaths. Okay. She says, he really did want me the way I wanted him forever. It was only fear for my soul that he didn't want to take from me. <laughs> we know. And uh, he says, you are better at it than I was. And she says, better at what? And he says, surviving. At least you made an effort. You got up in the morning and tried to be normal. When I wasn't actively tracking, I was useless. I couldn't be around anyone. I curled up into a ball and let the misery have me. And he says, and by the way, I also hear voices as well. You know that. (laughs) And when faced with his anguish, she says she was deeply relieved that he seemed to understand. So she's happy that he was upset. And she says, I only heard one voice and he laughs. Oh God. So we're just dropping that. We're just dropping the whole subplot that she heard voices. I'd be bringing it up again. If I was Edward, I'd maybe be like, you know what? Like now that we're together, like maybe we should do some couples counseling and like, maybe you should have some one-on-ones with a professional. But they're at the house and he says, you know, I'm just humoring you with this. It doesn't really matter what my family thinks. And she says, this affects them now too. Oh God, she's so dramatic. So they go inside and Edward just says, Carlisle, Esme, Rosalie, Emmett, Jasper, Alice, in just like a monotone voice. And she's like, oh, they'll hear because they have super hearing because they're vampires. But also, why did he have to go and list all of their names individually? Just be like, oh, hey, guys, can everyone, can everyone come and see me for a second? Family meeting in the living room. Like, ugh. instead, he had to list everyone's names like we forgot the characters' names. And so they all pop up and Bella's straight to business. She's like, all right, everyone, I need to talk. Oh, God. So they go into the dining room. <laughs> she says... Oh, wow, there's a, there's a polished oval table surrounded by eight chairs. She says, I'd never seen the Cullens use the dining table before. It was just a prop they didn't need in the house. Like, hilarious, but also you've had, haven't you had dinner there? Or was that just in the movie where they cooked her Italian? Because they thought she was Italian because her name was Bella. Hilarious. But also, like, you had a birthday party there. Edward threw you across the room into a table full of plates. I mean, 
I don't, I don't know why she's so like, oh my God, they have a table. Why do they have a table? They don't eat in the house. Well, they served up cake for you once. Is it so crazy that they have a table? <sighs> deep breaths, deep breaths. Why they have eight chairs and there's seven of them. Also unclear. I guess they just assumed they'd need an extra one for a guest, even though they live in Forks by themselves. Don't want to hang out with humans until Edward came along. Maybe they bought the chair once Edward started dating Bella. But then they left town and I guess they refurbished the place with, uh, I don't know, but they've got eight chairs. How convenient. Although I suppose when you buy a dining table, they don't give you an odd number of chairs with it. So, okay, I'll let them have this. They have eight chairs. So she's like, okay, so I guess Alice filled you in, right? And Alice nods and she's like, good. And she says, so I have a problem. Alice promised the Volturi that I would become one of you. They're going to send someone to check and I'm sure that's a bad thing. So now this involves you all. She says, I'm sorry about that. Bitch, it's their fault. They broke the vampire laws by by filling you in on who they are. This is on them. Stop taking responsibility. And she's like, but if you guys don't want me, I'm not going to force myself on you. And Esme goes to say something, but she held up one finger to stop her. And she says, please let me finish. How fucking rude. It's Esme's housemate. She can, she can cut into your little speech if she wants to. Putting up a finger, being like, excuse me? Excuse me? Show some respect while you're under Esme's roof, little one. And she says, I think the only fair way to decide is for everyone to have a vote. If you decide you don't want me, then I guess I'll go back to Italy alone. I can't have them coming here. Or you could just wait it out until you're 30. Um, I don't know what the rush is. So Bella's like, I want you to vote yes or no on the issue of me becoming a vampire. God. And then she's gesturing towards Carlisle to register his vote. And Edward's like, "Uh, can I cut in for a second? Can the second speaker for the negative team please, please chime in and have a little speech? And she's like, ugh. And she's glaring at him through narrowed eyes. Like, you know what? If you want to put something to a vote, you've got to hear from the opposing sides. It's not a dictatorship, Bella. This isn't a kangaroo court. And he says, I have something to add before we vote. And she sighs. Uh, I would dump her. I would say, you know what? I'm dumping you. Giving me back chat with your sighing. And he's like, you know, this whole danger that Bella's going on about, I don't think we need to fret. And yeah, he can read their minds, so it might be worthwhile listening to his perspective, perhaps. And he says, you see, there was more than one reason why I didn't want to shake Arrow's hand there at the end. There was something they didn't think of, and I didn't want to clue them in. And he's grinning. And Alice, even though she can see the future, she says, which was? And he says, when they decide to find someone, it's not really a problem. Do you remember Dimitri? He finds people. That's his talent, why they keep him. So he's, he's a finder, just like a Hufflepuff. He's a particularly good finder. What a shit talent. I mean, I guess it's better than some of them, um, AKA Marcus with the reading of the relationships, but he's a finder. How is Stephanie coming up with these? She's just like, you know what? We need the Volturi to have every single skill. (laughs) So, uh, you know, we'll just make one of them a finder as opposed to a tracker. James was a tracker. But Dimitri's a finder. Like, she couldn't have thought of a better name for that. A finder. Fuck me dead. So he says his ability is loosely related to what Edward does and what Arrow does. He catches the flavor of someone's mind and then he follows that. And it can work over immense distances. But as we know, Bella's an exception to the rule. So he thinks 
they won't be able to find Bella. And he's smug. She says he was smug. He says, I'm sure of it. He relies totally on that other sense. When it doesn't work with you, they'll all be blind. Uh, I mean, they're still vampires. They can still smell and hear and see and track in the regular ways. Uh, there's there's a whole city full of them with lots of resources. Uh, and, and like, would it be that hard? You just, I guess, go to Forks, sniff her out. And Bella's like, Puh, how does that solve anything? And he says, well, obviously, Alice will be able to tell when they're planning a visit and then I'll hide you. They'll be helpless. He says, it will be like looking for a piece of straw in a haystack. Okay, well, that's not the expression. That's, that's not the expression at all. It's a needle in a haystack. Uh, is, is he trying to be funny? Finding a piece of straw in a haystack, you just pick out a piece of straw. It's a haystack, it's made of straw. You just pick out any piece. What the fuck do you mean a piece of straw in a haystack? It's a needle in a haystack, Edward. And I'm thinking, this makes no sense. It'll never work. And then Bella says, this made no sense. And she points out, they can still find you, dickhead. They're just gonna track you. And he's like, I can take care of myself. Uh, well, uh, okay. I don't, I don't think you have any basis in that, but okay. Oh, and then Edward and Emmett fist bump because they think it's a great plan. And Rosalie's like, no. And Bella's like, okay, that's enough of that. Edward's offered an alternative. Let's vote. So she says, you first, Edward. And he says, mm, I want you to be part of my family, but not that way. You're staying human. And she's like, mm-hmm. And she just nods and moves on. Alice votes yes. Jasper votes yes. And she was surprised by his reaction. It's like, well, of course he's going to vote with whatever Alice wants, dickhead. And then Rosalie says, no. And she says, let me explain. I don't have any aversion to you as a sister. It's just that this is not the life I would have chosen for myself. If there had been someone to vote no for me, I would have wanted them to do so. And Bella's just nodding, giving a nooch. And then Emmett's like, hell yeah. And then Esme says, of course, Bella, I already think of you as part of my family. You've met like three times. Come off it, Esme. Oh, you're already part of my family. You know what? Yeah, your son's just dating her and then he dumped her for months at a time. Like you haven't seen her in a while. I don't think your bond is that close. And then she turns to Carlisle and she says, I was suddenly nervous, wishing I had asked for his vote first. I was sure that this was the vote that mattered the most, the vote that counted more than any majority. That's not how voting works, Bella. Uh, every, every vote's equal. Uh, one, one person, one vote. It's a democracy. I, what do you mean some votes count more than others? What the? F- Deep breaths. We're almost at the end. My God. Before he says anything, Edward's getting pissed off. So Edward read his mind. I don't know why Edward didn't clue in until just that moment. But anyway, Carlisle says, it's the only way that makes sense. You've chosen not to live without her. And that doesn't leave me a choice. And then Edward just walks out of the room, snarling. And Carlisle goes, well, I guess, you know, my vote. I mean, you could have just said, I vote yes. You didn't have to be, you know, snarky in the way you delivered it. And also like, Edward, you'd already lost the vote. You should have known that when you were coming in, right? Like, (laughs) you read minds. Uh, I don't know why you were so shocked. And also it's (laughs) 5-2. It was already 4-2 by the time Carlisle cast his vote. So like, he he wasn't the deciding factor there. It wasn't the split vote like in Survivor. But Edward doesn't take it well. He's in the next room. He's crashing stuff. And Bella says, oh, thanks, guys. I feel exactly the same way about all of you too. And then Esme's hugging her and she's saying, dearest Bella, because, you know, they're best friends, known each other for years. And then Rosalie's looking downcast and she's like, oh no, I guess my words could have been construed in two ways. 
Well, I mean, who cares? Do you really want Rosalie to like you that much? Like, who gives a shit? And Bella, the biggest fucking idiot in the world, she says, all right, Alice, where do you want to do this? And she's like rolling up her sleeves. I imagine she doesn't actually say that she's doing that, but I imagine she is. And Alice is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, what? And then Edward's roaring. No, no, no. And he's back in the room and he's like, are you insane? Are you, have you utterly lost your mind? You know, he loves berating her, <laughs> but he's right. Like no one said they were going to do it right now, Bella. The vote was, do you want me to join your family? No one specified when, babe, but she's like, all right, Alice, let's do it. Anyway, so Edward's screaming at her and she's cringing away with her hands over her ears because that's a normal relationship dynamic to have your boyfriend screaming at you so hard that you have to cover your ears with your hands. And Alice is like, Bella, like, I'm not really ready for that. I kind of need to prepare. She says, you promised. She's like, yeah, but not now, Bella. She's like, I probably would kill you. And she says, you can do it. I trust you. Um, on, on, on what experience are you just assuming that she won't kill you? Just because you trust her doesn't mean she's not going to go overboard and drain you. Ugh. But Alice is like, yeah, nah. So then she's looking at Carlisle and Carlisle's like, oh God. I mean, I guess I could do it. I wouldn't lose control. And she says, sounds good. (laughs) Oh. But did I mention that Edward had grabbed Bella's face in his hand, forcing her to look at him while Carlisle was saying that? So she says, sounds good. But she narrates, I hoped he could understand. It was hard to talk clearly the way Edward held my jaw. That's abuse. That is abuse. I'm not sure what else to say about that, but his screaming at her and then he's got her face in his hands and he's not letting her look away from his face and he's holding onto her so tight that she can't enunciate her words. Edward says it doesn't have to be now and she says there's no reason for it not to be now but the words were coming out distorted so he's still got a grip on her face. Oh boy. Oh boy. And then he freed her face and folded his arms. And he says, Charlie's going to be here in like two hours and he'd involve the police. Well, he is the police. He says, I wouldn't put it past him to involve the police. Bitch, he is the police, Edward. He is the police. And then she thinks for a minute, she's like, oh God, I'm really bringing a lot of drama into the lives of the people I love the most. You know, there's Charlie. He's in constant danger. Jake will be in even worse danger of the Volturi come. And Renee, I couldn't even risk a visit to see my own mother for fear of bringing my deadly problems along with me, exclamation mark. Well, I mean, no, you could risk a visit to sunny Florida. I I don't see what the problem is there. Victoria's not going all the way down to Florida, I can tell you that. And Edward's like, how about we put this off until Bella finishes high school and moves out of Charlie's house? And Carlisle's like, you know, that's kind of reasonable, Bella. And she's like, ugh. (laughs) She pursed her lips and she says, I'll consider it. So she's like, after graduation then? And Carlisle's like, you have my word. And she's like, okay, Edward, you can take me home then. What a little brat. She's such a little petulant brat. And so on the ride home, well, not the ride home, I guess the the run home, she's on Edward's back. She says, I was feeling triumphant and a little smug. Of course you are. And she says, scared stiff too, of course. (laughs) But I tried not to think about that. (laughs) Triumphant, smug and scared stiff. What a mixture. She says, it did me no good to worry about the pain, the physical or the emotional, so I wouldn't. Not until I absolutely had to. This from the girl that had the hole in her chest that she brought up every fricking page of this fricking book, just constantly talking about the hole in her chest that didn't exist, 
But now she doesn't want to think about the pain. She'll just block that out. So Edward races up the wall and jumps through the window, puts her in the bed and he's thinking and she's like, whatever you're planning, it's not going to work. And he's like, shush, I'm thinking. And she goes, ugh. And she groaned, throwing herself back on the bed and pulling the quilt over her head. What a little tantrum from this little brat. And then Edward flips the cover back and he says, if you don't mind, I'd rather you didn't hide your face. I've lived without it for as long as I can stand. (sighs) You dumped her. This is my weekly reminder that you dumped her. And he says, if you could have anything in the world, anything at all, what would it be? And I'm thinking, world peace, maybe Victoria's death, maybe the fact that the Volturi wouldn't exist, maybe for Renee to have one of her harebrained schemes become successful, maybe for Charlie to find a nice gal to look after him and cook for him and clean for him when you're a vampire. Maybe Jacob to get his own girlfriend so he can get off your back and hopefully one that's not your child. You know, so many things, so many things. The eradication of world hunger, like that would be up the top there for me. Cure for AIDS, you know, that's, that'd be up there for me. Anything in the world, what would it be? She says, I would want Carlisle not to have to do it. I would want you to change me. Anything in the world, she wants Edward to change her. What a moot point, does it really matter? Does it really matter? It's like if you catch COVID, Does it really matter who you caught it from? Because you got COVID. Like, that's your priority. But no, it matters who gives it to her, who changes her. And and Edward straight away is like, hmm, would you be willing to trade for that? God, he loves a little trade. And she says, anything. Even though she was happy enough to have Alice convert her like five minutes ago, or Carlisle, she was grasping at straws. She's like, Alice, Carlisle, someone have at me, bite me right now. But now, no, she would give anything to have Edward do it instead, like it matters. And he says, give me five years. And her face twisted into an expression of horror. And she's like, no, I have to strike while the iron is hot. Besides, it's too dangerous to be human. Oh, God. Because she's clumsy. Oh, it's so dangerous for her to be human and clumsy. Remember that time at volleyball she fell over? God, blimey. And she's like, all right, how about six months? And he says, nope. And she says, one year, that's my limit. And he says, maybe two. And she says, no, no, 19, I'll do. But I'm not going anywhere near 20. If you're staying in your teens forever, then so am I. Oh, babe, you need to drop your age's bullshit. No one really wants to be a teenager again. Let me tell you that, that's a little secret you'll learn. Every person I've ever spoken to when talking about age, no one's saying, God, I wish I was 18 again. Nope, nope. Like, what are you going to do, Bella? Are you going to become a vampire and then just travel around the continent, just enrolling in suburban high schools and pretending to be a high school student all your life? Is that really what you want? Do you really want to be doing bio and doing blood typing tests and going to your prom, which you hate, by the way? Just be doing that every three years of your life. Maybe going to uni and looking young. Oh, Oh, this bitch. And Edward's like, okay, forget time limits. If you want this, you have to do one thing for me, marry me. And she's like, okay, what's the punchline? (laughs) And he says, you're wounding my ego, Bella. I just proposed to you and you think it's a joke. Well, Edward, was it much of a proposal? I don't see a ring. I don't see you on your knees. I don't see any flowers. I don't see any champagne. I don't see any effort on your behalf. Uh, Apart from you being in the middle of a fight with your girlfriend about her mortality. He says, marry me. That's not a proposal, dude. You can't slip a proposal into a negotiation and some blackmail. Mm-mm. 
And she's like, it would be serious. And he's like, I am serious. And then she's starting to get hysterical. And she says, oh, come on, I'm only 18. (sighs) Well, (sighs) apparently you want to be 18 forever. You don't even want to be 20. So what do you... (sighs) And he says, well, I'm nearly 110. It's time I settle down. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Yeah, but when you acknowledge the age gap like that, it's it's really jarring, Edward. I'd be I'd be downplaying that. And Bella's like, whoa, okay, um, marriage isn't exactly that high on my list of priorities. It was the kiss of death for Renee and Charlie. And she's like, I'm kind of afraid of Renee. She has some really intense opinions on getting married before you're 30. Which you never want to be. Also, you're already planning on on gapping it and never seeing her again, so does it really freaking matter? And Edward points out like, oh, you'd think she'd rather you become eternally damned than get married. And Bella's like, yeah. <laughs> and then Edward tries to gaslight her and flip, flip this onto her. And he says, well, if you're not brave enough to marry me, then. And she's like, wait, wait. So he's just playing her like a fiddle. And she's like, all right, well, how about we go to Vegas? We go to Vegas and then I'm a vampire in three days. And he's like, sure, I'll get my car. And she says, damn it. She says, I'll give you 18 months. And he says, nah, I like this condition. So he's just really toying and taunting with her because this is how you want someone to accept your proposal with bartering and blackmail. And she's like, oh, fine. I'll just have Carl. I'll do it when I graduate. But she knows that she wants him to do it. So that's never going to happen. So then Edward tries to do the puppy dog eyes. He's like, please, Bella. And he breathes on her. And you know, she loves the smell of his breath. Anyway, Edward senses that Charlie's waking up. So he's like, I better go. And she's like, stay. And he's like, all right, I'll hide in your closet. So he's hiding in her closet. I'm sure there's a metaphor there that Stephanie's trying to ham fist into this chapter, but I I just, I can't. So Charlie opens the door and he's like, oh, hey, Bella. (laughs) Cause he's just surprised to see her awake, even though he just heard her talking. And that's, that's why he came in to check on her. Anyway, she's like, all right, uh, I'm going to have a shower. And he's like, hang on a tick, love. Let's have a chat. And she's like surprised by this. And I was like, well, no, you did just come back from a little jaunt to Italy while you ditched him when he was at his best friend's funeral. I think a chat is overdue. And he says like, I think we need to have a chat because like I came home from Harry's funeral and you were gone. Jacob said you'd run off with a Cullen. You didn't leave me a number. You didn't call. I didn't know where you were or when you were coming back, if you were coming back. And he says, can you, can you give me one reason why I shouldn't ship you off to Jacksonville this second? And she is so annoyed at him. Even though he just raised a million good points. She says, my eyes narrowed. So it was going to be threats, was it? Two could play at that game. Uh, Okay, well, Edward was just threatening you multiple ways, threatening you with marriage even, but no, oh, it's going to be threats, was it? I don't take kindly to threats all of a sudden. She says, well, I won't go. She says, look, dad, I accept complete responsibility for my actions. I don't think she does, by the way. She says, you have the right to ground me for as long as you want. I'll also do all the chores and laundry and dishes until you think I've learned my lesson. Well, you kind of do that already anyway, so that's not really much of a point there. And I guess you're within your rights if you want to kick me out too. But that won't make me go to Florida. She really doesn't want to go to Florida. (laughs) She really doesn't want to go. And he's like, "Uh, okay, well then explain to me where you were. And she goes, oh crap. (laughs) Crap, didn't think of that. She's like, I forgot to get Alice to tell me a reason why I left. And she says, oh, there was an emergency... I don't know what to tell you, dad. It was, a, it was a misunderstanding. He said, she said, it got out of hand. Well, yeah, it did. But this is really not much of an explanation. And she says, look, Alice told Rosalie about me jumping off a cliff. And then Charlie's like, uh, what? And she goes, major oops. And she says, oh, I forgot that he didn't know about the cliff. 
And she goes, oh, well, um, I guess I didn't actually tell you about that. Uh, it's nothing. I was just, you know, messing around, swimming with Jake. Anyway, Rosalie told Edward. How, how does she think that Alice and Rosalie know about her jumping off a cliff when they're not there? They're apparently living in Los Angeles, but whatever. She doesn't explain that. She goes, Rosalie told Edward and he was upset. So I guess she sort of accidentally made it sound like I was trying to kill myself or something. <laughs> what is this story? Like, I know that actually did happen, but it sounds so ridiculous and made up, <laughs> even though that, that is the plot. She says, oh, he wouldn't answer his phone. So um, Alice dragged me to LA to explain in person, like, you know, as you do. And she shrugged as if that made any sense. She says, I would hope that he would not be so distracted by my slip up that he'd miss the brilliant explanation I'd provided. Babe, I don't think it's brilliant. No one's saying it's brilliant. Uh, this is also a policeman who interrogates people, but you know, he's going to eat it up this dumb Charlie. And he says, well, were you trying to kill yourself, Bella? And she's like, no, of course not. As if she wasn't just clinically depressed and catatonic in a room for months. And Charlie's like, what's it to Edward anyway? All this time he just left you dangling. And she says, it's another misunderstanding. Mm, I, I don't know why Charlie's buying any of this. And he says, I want you to stay away from him, Bella. I don't trust him. He's rotten for you. I won't let him mess you up like that again. Fair. That's good parenting. And she says, fine. And he's like, oh, great. And she's like, no, I mean, fine. I'll move out. And he's like, what, what, what? And his face starts turning purple. And she's like, oh no, his heart. He's not that much younger than Harry. <laughs> God. And she's like, dad, I love you. But if you're not going to ease up on Edward, if you want me to stay, you're going to have to be nice to him or else I'm going to move out. So she's threatening him. It's just a chapter full of threats. And she's saying this with confidence because the conviction of her epiphany was still strong. Her epiphany, that dumb, dumb epiphany. And he's like, not under my roof, okay? And she's like, look, I'm not going to give you any more ultimatums tonight, but just think about it for a few days. I mean, you, you are giving him an ultimatum. You, ugh. And she's like, think it over. And while you're thinking it over, can you give me some privacy? I need a shower. So she's being so mean to her dad that just lost his best friend. Really, really cruel. So Charlie slams the door, he huffs downstairs, and then Edward comes out of the closet. She's like, sorry about that. And he's like, yeah, I kind of deserve it, it's fine. Oh, so they banter again a bit about the eternal damnation of becoming a vampire. And Bella says, you know what? If you really believed you'd lost your soul, then when I found you in Volterra, you would have realized immediately what was happening instead of thinking we were both dead together. But you didn't, you said, amazing, Carlisle was right. There's hope in you after all. So again, her photographic memory, her just uncanny ability to remember dialogue just strikes again. And Edward's speechless because he's like, oh, I guess I did think that there was an afterlife or something. None of it makes sense, mate. Don't try and overthink it. It's dumb. And she's like, if you stay, I don't need heaven. And he says forever. And he's got his hands on either side of her face again while he's staring into her eyes. But I guess it's romantic this time. Because then they kiss. I mean, I would be like, get your hands off me after what you just pulled. But anyway, she forgives him. Man, that was quite a long chapter. I'm kind of regretting saying I do the epilogue right now as well, but okay, let's do it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So the epilogue is called Trady, because I guess it's about the Trady. And she's like, everything's back to normal. <laughs> okay. Carlisle's working at the hospital. <sighs> Thanks to the calculus test she'd missed while abroad, Alice and Edward were in better shape to graduate than she was. So you're to tell me, Alice and Edward missed, what, six months of school? Bella missed one test that they also missed, but they're in the same position when it comes to graduating. That doesn't line up, Steph. That does not line up. And she's like, suddenly college was a priority, but for her, college is still plan B, plan A being becoming a vampire. But Edward's just like dropping off applications for college for her. So she thinks she's going to go to college. She's going to become a vampire and just like the next day roll up and go to community college and not want to kill all of her classmates. Ugh, she's so overconfident. And Edward's just back in all of her classes. And Bella's not allowed outside of the house. And she makes it sound like it's a happy thing, but all her friends are alienating her again. So even Mike kept a safe distance (laughs) and she's so happy about that. But everything's back to normal except for Jacob. She misses Jacob. She's not allowed to go to La Push and Jacob's not visiting her and he's not answering her phone calls. And she's making the phone calls when Edward's not in her bedroom. So she's trying to like hide the fact that she's calling her best friend from her boyfriend. Also a red flag. Sounds a bit unhealthy, but she says that Edward makes a certain face whenever she mentions Jacob's name. She says, I guess that he had some reciprocal prejudice against the werewolves. Well, he kind of hated Jacob long before that. So I don't know if it's a werewolf thing. She says the fairy tale was back on. Prince returned, bad spell broken. I wasn't sure exactly what to do about this leftover unresolved character. Where was his happily ever after? Thinking about Jacob. (laughs) Kind of rude to think of your best friend as a leftover character, but okay. So weeks pass, she still hasn't spoken to him. She's getting angry at him. She thinks he's rude for not answering his phone. And Billy must be over it because Billy finally says, look, he doesn't want to talk to your sweets. She's like, he was there and he wouldn't even walk three steps to answer the phone. 
And she's like, and now Billy hates me too. It's not fair. And I'm, again, I'm thinking Billy always hated you. Billy was never a fan of you, Bells. And Edward's like, oh God, mate, like it's, it's obviously because I'm here and he doesn't want to come and hang out with vampires. And Bella's like, that's silly. <sighs> and Edward's like, look, I can control myself, but he probably can't because, you know, he's young. He's probably not used to it. So again, another reminder that she could go and kill all of her college classmates if she becomes a vampire, but whatever. And she says, I remembered what Jacob had said in the kitchen, hearing the words with perfect recall in his husky voice. That perfect recall. She really needs to utilize and exploit that talent. I'm surprised when she becomes a vampire, that's not her special skill, recall. But she remembers Jacob saying, you probably wouldn't like it so much if I killed your friend. That's his husky voice that I was imitating. And Edward's like, you know what? I would try very hard not to kill him, but no promises. (laughs) And Bella's like, (gasps) and then abruptly she remembers what had happened to Paris when Romeo came back. (sighs) The stage directions were simple. They fight Paris Falls. She's like, oh, but that was ridiculous, impossible. So she thinks just because she's made up this metaphor in her head that that, that Jacob is Paris, that it's all going to end up exactly like Romeo and Juliet ends up, even though she's still alive and, and Jacob, even though he's undead, is still alive. I think you're clinging on to the allegory a bit too hard there, Bells. And then Edward gets like, I don't know, a mental alert that Bella's in trouble. And Bella's like, what? Is it Victoria? And he's like, it's Charlie. And she says, my dad? <laughs> what other Charlies do you know, Bella? What other Charlies? And he says, Charlie is probably not going to kill you, but he's thinking about it. Oof, that's dark. He can read minds. So Charlie's like actually thinking about killing Bella. Oof, that's dark. So, cause they're driving home at this point, I guess. And so she looks out and they're on the driveway. Next to Charlie's cruiser is her shiny, bright red, impossible to miss motorcycle. And she's like, well, if Charlie's ready to kill me over it, he must know that it's mine. There's only one person who could have told him, Jacob. And she's so pissed off. She's like, why would Jacob do this to me? The sting of betrayal is washing through her. She's like, I didn't think that he would stoop this low, the treachery, the betrayal. She says, what had I done to deserve this? Well, I can think of a few things. Also, it was... It was your idea. You're the one that bought the motorcycle. You're the one that made Jacob fix up the motorcycle. You made Jacob teach you how to ride the motorcycle. I don't think we can be blaming Jacob that Charlie has found out about the motorcycle. And she's like, Charlie's going to be so mad, but worse than that, he's going to be hurt and worried. Didn't he have enough to deal with already? I can't imagine Jake would be so petty and plain mean. Again, it's your motorcycle. Got to stop shirking responsibility for everything. And she's crying. She's so bloody angry and feels so betrayed, she's crying. And Jacob's there, so she jumps out of the car and she's trying, I guess she's running to attack him and Edward's got to hold her back. And she says, let me go, I'm going to murder him, the traitor. (laughs) And Jacob's just standing in the middle of the trees. Meanwhile, she can't actually see him, but she's like, let me at him, let me at him. Isn't that like a cartoon, like Tweety Bird or something where they're like, let me at him, let me at him. There's like a cartoon cat holding him back. I don't know. That's stirring a memory from my childhood, but that's what's happening here. And she's like, let me at him, let me at him. And Edward's like, no, Jacob's actually here to see me. And then she's like, oh no. And she thinks they fight Paris Falls. Bitch, you're not in Romeo and Juliet. You're not. And Edward's like, don't worry. He's not here to fight me. He's acting as a spokesperson for the pack. And she's like, oh, okay. So they go into the forest. There's Jacob. And Jacob and Edward have this little standoff. They're both sneering at each other. And she says, Jacob looked bigger than the last time I'd seen him. Somehow, impossibly, he was still growing. Well, he's a teenage boy, babe. 
It's a teenage boy. Of course he's still growing. And Bella's like, why? How could you do this to me, Jacob? And he's like, it's for the best. She's like, what do you want, Charlie to kill me? Or do you want him to have a heart attack like Harry? No matter how mad you are at me, how could you do this to him? (sighs) Take some responsibility for yourself. And Edward's like, calm down, Bells. He didn't want you to get hurt. He just wanted you to be grounded so you wouldn't be allowed to spend time with me. And Jacob's like, oh God, this guy's reading my mind. Meanwhile, how is it that Edward can read Jacob's mind even though Alice couldn't see Jacob's future? Alice had a whole black spot in her vision because, you know, vampires can't read werewolves, but Edward doesn't have any trouble reading Jacob's mind. The, the talents, the special vampire skills, they're just very pick and choose with, with how effective they are, isn't it? Like, whatever Steph wants, she just finds a way around it. Ugh. And Bella says, oh, Jake, I'm already grounded, you big dum-dum. Why do you think I haven't been down to see you? And he's like, oh, is that why? <sighs> I mean, you could have answered one of the phone calls, Jake. This could have been cleared up. So Edward's like, yeah, I know why you're here, but can I just say something first? Thank you. I will never be able to tell you how grateful I am. I will owe you for the rest of my existence. So he's saying, thanks for looking after my girl while I was gone. How chauvinistic. And Jacob's like, um, I didn't do it for your benefit. And Edward's like, yeah, but I know. But like, if there's anything I can do for you and Jacob's lifting an eyebrow and Edward's like, not that. And Bella's like, it wasn't hard to understand what I'd missed in this conversation. The only thing that Jacob would want from Edward would be his absence. And Edward's looking at Bella being like, it's up to her, babe. And Bella's like, never. Oh God. And then Jacob makes a gagging sound, which is a dramatic reaction. And Bella's like, was there something else you needed, Jacob? You wanted me in trouble. Well, mission accomplished. What do you want? And he's like, I just wanted to remind your blood-sucking friends of a few key points in the treaty they agreed to. And Edward's like, we haven't forgotten. And then he's like, what key points? (laughs) So maybe he had forgotten. And he says, the treaty is quite specific. If any one of them bite a human, the truce is over. Bite, not kill. And Bella says, well, that's none of your business. And Jacob's like, the hell it is. But then he sort of realizes, oh my God. They're going to turn Bella into a vampire. And he's like shocked by that realization. Um, But like, isn't that kind of what you meant by coming here and reminding them of the treaty about the bite, not kill? Like, clearly that's what you meant. But but it's also a shock to him that they're planning on biting Bella. Like, like, uh, uh, oh, Jacob, like, think it through, buddy. And Bella says, despite the warning he'd come to give, he must not have known. He must have thought the warning was just a precaution. Oh, dumb, dumb, dumb. Everyone's so dumb. So now that Jacob's figured that out, he's going into convulsions, you know, fighting, turning into a werewolf. His face turned green under the russet skin. She couldn't have ended the book without bloody mentioning russet one more time, could she? Ma, russet skin. How many times do you think she said russet in this book? How many times? Oh my God, oh my God. So she's stepping towards Jacob being like, Jake, you okay? And Edward's like, careful, he's not under control. And Jacob's like, ugh, I wouldn't hurt her. He's so sure of himself as well. And it's like, well, you know, your pack leader guy did did tear up his girlfriend's face. So it's like, it's not unheard of, but he's like, ugh, I would never hurt her. Like, that's impossible. But he says it sort of like, I wouldn't hurt her because, you know, neither Edward or Bella missed the inflection or the accusation that that word contained. But saved by the bell from, you know, their little fight, Charlie comes out and he's like, Bella, you get in this house right now. And she says, crap. And Jacob's like, oh yeah, sorry about that. 
and she says, thanks. But the tremor in her voice ruined the sarcasm. So it was like, thanks. And then Edward's like, oh, just one more thing. Um, we haven't found any trace of Victoria. What about you guys? And Jacob's like, oh yeah. So um, last time we saw her, we were tightening the circle around her, getting ready to ambush, but she took off. Near as we can tell, she caught Alice's scent and she hasn't come near our land since. And Edward's like, well, when she comes back, it's not your problem anymore. And Jacob's like, she killed on our turf. She's ours. And Bella's like, no, guys, neither of you can go after her because she's so freaking strong. No. Meanwhile, Charlie's still screaming, being like, Bella, I see your car. I know you're out there. And I'm just thinking, will this book ever end? Will this book ever end? And Jacob's like, oh, bye, Bells. And she's like, you promised. We're still friends, right? I thought she was mad at him. He says, you know how hard I've tried to keep that promise, but I can't see how to keep trying, not now. And then he says, miss you. (laughs) And she's like, me too. And their hands are reaching towards each other to touch across the wide space. They're acting like they're in prison visitation and there's a glass wall between them. Just go up and hug. Just go up and hug. But they're reaching across the chasm of the space in the forest. Just go and hug each other for fuck's sake. And she's still stretching out to him. (sighs) And Edward's pulling her back. So that's what's holding them apart. And, and she's like, it's okay. And he's like, no, it's not. And Jacob's like, let it go. She wants to. Oh my God. So Jacob's walking forward. And so Edward's pushing her behind him and stepping between them. And she's like, no, Edward, just let me hug him. And oh my goodness. And Charlie's still screaming. He's saying, Isabella Swan. And she's like, come on, Charlie's mad. I've got to hug him quickly so I can go back and say, Charlie. And oh, for fuck's sake. If your boyfriend's not letting you hug your best friend, that's a red flag. Doesn't matter if he's a werewolf or not a werewolf. He's being controlling. Oh, but he's still pulling her away. And oh my goodness. And I guess Jacob's feelings are getting hurt. No surprise. His face is crumpling in pain. Maybe because his best friend is, you know, not going up and hugging him and letting her boyfriend pull her backwards. So she sees that glimpse of his face that would haunt her until she saw him smile again. And she vows to herself that she would see him smile. And soon she said, I would find a way to keep my friend. (sighs) Even though you were so mad at him five minutes ago, you were so mad at him. And then she's got to lay it all out for us. Everything we've learned in the past few chapters. She's like, my best friend counted me with his enemies. Victoria's on the loose. If I didn't become a vampire soon, the Volturi would kill me. And now, if I did, the werewolves would try and do the job themselves. I didn't think they had any chance. You know, the werewolves don't have any chance of killing the vampires. Uh, Well, yeah, they do. I mean, they killed Laurent. She keeps forgetting about frickin' Laurent. So she's just laying out all the plot threads that this book isn't going to deal with. Hopefully, Eclipse will deal with them. But we all know it probably won't deal with all of them. So Steph's just like, all these fun little plot threads that I'm not going to address. And she says, these were all very serious problems. So why did they all seem so insignificant when we broke through the trees and I caught sight of the expression on Charlie's purple face? How many times has she called Charlie's face purple this chapter? Poor Charlie, got a purple face. And Edward's like, I'm here. She's like, that's true. Edward was here with his arms around me. I could face anything as long as that was true. And so she squared her shoulders and walked forward to meet her fate with destiny solidly at her side. And that's the end of the book. Good fucking riddance. God, that sucked. So then we get the acknowledgements. She says, so much love and thanks to my husband and sons for their continuing understanding and sacrifice and support of my writing. 
At least I'm not the only one to benefit. I'm sure many local restaurants are grateful that I don't cook anymore. Ha 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 ha, hilarious. Her husband can't cook, is what I'm getting from that. Her husband and her sons are useless, and they can't make a meal for themselves, and they've got to get her successful breadwinner mother to order them in food, because if she can't cook, I guess nobody can. Oh, and then she says, thanks to all my siblings, Emily, Heidi, Paul, Seth, and Jacob, for letting me borrow your names. I hope I didn't do anything with them that makes you wish you hadn't. Well, um, sure. I, I mean, if I was the, the brother called Jacob, I'd be like, oh, oh, you made me a love interest to your stand-in? Um, that's, that's a bit weird. And also if I was Emily, I'd be like, oh, so you made me disfigured? <laughs> and if I was Heidi, I'd be like, oh, so you made me a trampy vampire that lures nuns into a little trap that, so I can eat them. And if I was Paul and Seth, I'd be like, oh, thanks for making me a minor bit character werewolf. That's, that's really touching. So that's, oh God, that's New Moon. Um, I'm going to end it here. As always, thanks for listening. We're going to have um, a recap of the movie next week. That'll be fun. And then there'll be some announcements about what's new. Season four of Breaking Down Bad Books, there'll be a new book on the Patreon and a new book on the free feed. And so when you sign up for the Patreon, $3 a month, you'll get access to the previous full book that we covered and the ongoing weekly episodes of a new book to be announced soon. So keep an ear out for that. I'll see you guys later. And I just want to quickly thank all of my siblings um, for, for letting me use their names in this podcast. And I also just want to thank Uber Eats. <laughs> I'm sure Uber Eats is so happy that I don't have time to cook anymore. And I'll say goodbye. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.